0: Welcome to the Book Wasted. We drink, we review, we rebel. That's Krista, and that's Jessica. So today we are reviewing *The Girl on the Train* by Paula Hawkins. This book is a complex thriller with themes of domestic violence, alcoholism, drug use, all while there is a woman missing in supposedly perfect suburbia. Yep. Was that a good introduction? That's a great introduction. Thank that's you. a really good way to to quickly summarize. I uh, I wrote it. I didn't come up with it off of you know out of my pants. What? I don't know. You wrote it, but you didn't come up with it. No, I'm saying I didn't like come up with it like just out of my pants, like on the oh, fly. Oh, you you pre-wrote it. I pre-wrote it. I was like, but if you wrote it, then you did come up with it. No, I just wasn't saying like I'm just like it's not off the game. top of your head. Yeah, it's not off the top <laughs> of my head. Okay. I don't know. I'm sick. <laughs> you are sick. It's fine. So, do I sound sexy? I hope. I can't wait to listen to this episode. Actually. You do sound very sexy. Mm-mm. Smelly cat, <laughs> smelly cat. <laughs> what are they feeding you? <laughs> you should sing the black crow song. Oh, black crow in the morning. There you, you go. <laughs> into my life. I think that's the only part of that song that I know. That's the only part I know yeah. too. No, nobody else is going to know what that song is. Oh, I know. That's just because kind that's of our thing. Yeah. Yeah. such a good it is such a good movie. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Anyways. So, Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, what are you drinking? Um, so, our main character, Rachel, um, drinks a lot. A lot. It was definitely not hard to, like, come up with a Mm-mm. drink for this. Like, normally I want to try and, like, pick, pick something, like, almost kind of funny. Like, you know, last time we did, like, banana split. Mm-hmm. Like, a split, split personality for Psycho. But uh, Rachel's favorite drink in The Girl on the Train is gin and tonic. Gin and tonic and wine is pretty much what she drinks. Pretty much. Not only just gin and tonic, but gin and tonic in a can. In a can. We can't find that here. And I tried. The guy at the liquor store, like, I asked him, I was like, hey, do you have any gin and tonic in a can? And he was like, no. (laughs) And I was like, well, you have an old-fashioned in a can. What? They had an old-fashioned in a can, but not a gin and tonic in a can? Yeah. That's... That's odd. It was at the register. It was like uh, it's a type of like old-fashioned in the can. Huh. I don't know. I guess it has more ingredients or something like that. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Sounds disgusting. Yeah. So does gin and tonic in a can. <laughs> it just sound It sound like it sounds like those bombs. Those balls oh, things. They're called buzz balls. Buzz balls. I'm sorry. Station. Yeah. Those things. That's what it reminds me of, and they just sound dangerous. They're disgusting. Thing. those buzzballs are the worst thing ever they make me puke i legit puked on kara's car the next day and it was all buzz it's the worst and it just reminds me of underage drinking because you just wanted to get drunk fast and um, cheap yeah just fast and cheap yeah just to so straight out of the bottle no we don't do that anymore no we don't so i don't know why you're having buzzballs recently that was pretty recent <laughs> That's disgusting. I think it was, like, one of those, like, late purchases. (laughs) It was there. The liquor store closes at 9. It could not have been that late. The gas station doesn't close till 12. I mean, you can buy alcohol till 12. You can get bus balls with the alcohol at the gas station. That's weird, because it's liquor. Is it? I think they're wine chillers. Aren't they? Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. That's why they're disgusting. They are disgusting. Undisputed. (laughs) Undisputed disgustingness. Yes. Okay. Anyway, so uh, gin and tonic. We used aviation gin with some tonic. I wanted to add a little bit of flavor to mine because I don't like just plain gin and tonic. It reminds me of um, my mother's own days with gin and tonic. <laughs> so I added some um, orange bitters to it. And you can actually add regular bitters to it as well. Um, just a couple of dashes. And like it. if you add regular bitters, it just gives it a really pretty color. Um, you can ask for it like at the bar. Like you can ask for a gin and tonic with like regular bitters and like a sprig of mint. Makes you sound really Ooh, fucking classy. Yeah. Um, and it's like not that hard of a drink to make. Um, so because sometimes you always wonder like, what do I order at the bar? Oh my god, yeah. I don't know. Like, just give me a vodka cranberry. Uh, and that just sounds so basic. It's very basic, but yeah. let's not be basic. So nope. next time, order yourself a gin and tonic with bitters and a sprig of mint. Very fancy. I think so. Yeah. All right. I guess we gotta talk about. Who is Paula Hawkins? Tell me about Paula Hawkins. I'm very interested. Who is Paula? I'm actually going to have a sip real quick. Go for it. This is great for my allergies. I'm sure it is. You're clearing it all right out. Delicious. (laughs) All right. So, Paula Hawkins, born August 26, 1972 in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, she grew up in Africa. Her father is an economics professor. And her childhood was spent in Africa before moving to London at the age of 17. She studied politics and economics at Keeble College, University of Oxford. She is quoted as saying that she used to have dreams of being a foreign correspondent, but she's glad that she didn't go into that field because she's not intrepid enough. Okay. So after graduation, she spent 15 years as a journalist. Oh, my God. But... She wasn't just, like, any journal. She, she was a business reporter. Like, she reported on businesses and finance um, for the Times. And then she also uh, did freelance work as well. However, so in the year of 2007, she wrote a book called The Money Goddess, aimed at women who need to get in touch with their pensions. So, Paula's fucking smart. That's awesome. Like, she's ta- like she knows how to, like, talk about money. Heck yeah. And all that shit. Like, so Love she's that. How, like it's just yeah. like something that was really nice to learn about her. Um, She then wrote a rom-com novel called Confessions of a Reluctant Recessionista. Okay. I'm sorry, that was a hard one. (laughs) I was like, where are you going with that? I was just, I had to just, like, breathe. Uh Recessionista. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She wrote under the pseudonym Amy Silver. Mm. So she wrote a couple more rom-coms that bombed. Like, honestly, like, they're... Like her like best-selling book was a thousand cells wow well i mean i mean i for me that would be awesome sauce but then like you know come yeah but compared to something yes. like girl on the train yeah so she took a literary genre turn <laughs> literary yeah. genre turn. Uh. Uh. anyways sorry <laughs> i wrote it down and i was like i was so funny Okay. <coughs> um, I did take some medicine. Right? I was going to say, I? how much cough medicine are you on, Jess? <laughs> the cough medicine is a gin. Fuck. <laughs> Ooh, this is going to be an interesting episode. Yeah, but you're so sober right <laughs> so now. Sober. I'm just doing this by myself. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> not fun. But... I wish I could drink the meal. <laughs> okay, so with her literary genre turned, The Girl on the Train was released in 2013 and spent 13 weeks on the New York Times bestseller. Dang. Hawkins says that the lighter material she was writing just never really came naturally to her, and then part of her was always pulling in deeper and darker directions. Um, so her book is often compared to Gone Girl, written by Gillian Flynn, because Gone Girl came out in, like, you know, 2012. Um, honestly, there is, like, a period where there was nothing but girl in the title, in the thriller. Yeah. Like, girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. Gone Girl. The girl on the train. Three of our books this season. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, yeah. does everything all in has the same genre. Girl on the title, like, yeah. Anyways, I just thought it was interesting. I guess we so can't be women; we can just be girls. Girls. Because it sounds better, doesn't it? <laughs> I digress. <laughs> but the girl on the train has sold almost 20 million copies worldwide, and as of this month, has been as of this month has been adapted into a film twice. Really? Yeah. Netflix came out with a film adaptation. Really? Yeah. It's like a. It's a. I think it's like mainly like uh like Indian actors and stuff in it. Okay, but it's like the it's the girl on the train. That's so cool. Isn't that cool? Like it was in like like less than ten years, her Two book has been adapted twice. That's really cool. That doesn't ever happen. Yeah, I think that's really great for her. I mean, Actually, that only happens like with classic shit, like you know, like remake. Oh, remake Little Women. Remake Little Women again. Yeah. How many times are we going to remake Pride and Prejudice? Pride and Prejudice. Do it one more time Pride for the and Prejudice crowd? and Zombies. Pride and Prejudice with a different cast. Pride and Prejudice <laughs> the miniseries. Like, yeah. It just keeps going and going. So That's so good cool. For her. Good for her, yeah. Yeah, I think that was really awesome. Um, so, Hawkins also released the novels Into the Water, another thriller starting with a single mother turning up dead at the bottom of a river. And not yet to be released. Uh, her new book, which will be available in August, is a slow fire burning a story dealing with deceit, murder and retaliation mm, okay so there you go Those both sound really interesting. yeah, they both sound really interesting. I also think it's interesting how she deals with uh, motherhood but she's quoted as saying she's never wanted to have. she doesn't want to have kids herself fascinating yeah especially with this book yes so i'm really kind of interested to like dive into like the characters yeah and stuff like that's that. that's really interesting i know it's kind of like puts like a perspective on it because like with our characters that's all that it's. About. that's all it's about mm-hmm. that's fascinating i think it's just sometimes like as a writer you explore a different sides of yourself Right. How other people feel, but ultimately, you know who yourself is. Like, yeah. You put like little parts, just little parts of yourself, into maybe like each character. I think it's really cool, and especially like with writers, like like what we've experienced in this book, that you can that they can explore those parts of themselves mm-hmm. and still know, you know, she can explore that part of herself that may want to be a mother, that may have any interest in being a mother, but still know that she doesn't, yeah. and that's you have to be very self assured for something like that. That's really commendable. I think so, too. I yeah. Just, when I was, like, looking up stuff about it, I was like, that was really cool because she was also, like, in the rom-com she would write, she would always try to write, like, women who, like, weren't interested in, like, marriage because they weren't waiting around for, like, a man and just things like that, too. Okay. So I was like, get it, Paula. Yeah. Like, all right, girl, you a little that. finance guru and thriller <laughs> writing. Good right. for you. That's interesting. Um, but that is cool. Paula Hawkins. Nice. She's still working, still got books rolling out for us good 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 so what is the girl on the train well it's about, about? this girl and <laughs> she rides the train cool thanks yeah let's that's, move that's on, it. on that's it moving on. Moving, on. moving on characters no just kidding uh so really though a lot of the book is from rachel's perspective when she's riding the train okay. she is a commuter from a suburb of london and she rides the train into london um, she rides the 8.05 in the morning and the 5.06, I think, in the evenings. Same train. She sits in the same exact spot every single day. So she sees these houses that are on the side of the track. And she, like, creates this image of this couple that she sees all the time who, like, sit out on their terrace and drink coffee or wine. or They're just like she, – she calls them the perfect golden couple. And then one day she sees the wife with someone who's not her husband. And she feels betrayed, and um, she like becomes really invested in this this case. And then the and then the wife goes missing. So she's like trying to help in any way that she can with the police and with um, the husband and all that stuff. But she's a drunk, so nobody takes her seriously. Mm. And she's blacked out the whole night. She was in the area where the her name is Megan. Or Megan disappeared, but she was blackout drunk. So she doesn't have distinct, specific memories of the night that it happened. She's also divorced. She's been divorced for two years, and she can't let it go. Um, so she calls her ex-husband and hangs around the house. And, like, one time she, like, got into the house. I'm not going to say broken. She got into the house and took the baby out into the yard of the new, the new wife's baby. And she wasn't going to hurt the baby or take the baby or anything like that. She was drunk. She just wanted to be near the baby. That's scary. hmm So all this crazy stuff is going on. And then she starts remembering specific things about the instances that she had with her ex-husband. Uh, and She would get blackout drunk and he would, you know, they'd wake up the next morning and he'd tell her all these terrible things that she did. Like one time they went to a work party of his and he, she got blackout drunk and like insulted the wife of his boss and that got him fired. And then she runs into that same lady on the train one day, and that's not actually what happened. She got sick, and they went home. And that was it. So all this crazy stuff that Tom is feeding her, and then we start to see that Tom is gaslighting, and that he's doing it to Anna, the new wife, and that he's always saying that they don't have enough money, but he's going out and spending a bunch of money. All this crazy stuff. Well, it turns out that Tom, of course, is the one who killed Megan. Oh, I love how you put it. Tom is, of course, the one who killed her. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, once we kind of get into it, it's pretty obvious. It's like, yeah, he's he's the worst. Yeah. Um, there's lots of speculation that it could be Megan's husband, Scott, that it could be Megan's therapist, Kamal, but it's Tom. And um, it was because she was pregnant, and it may have been his, and he didn't want to have anything to do with it, and she fought back. And he killed her, and he hit her body. And that's pretty much it. I didn't write anything down. (laughs) I know, I saw that. You were just just like going off the top of your head. Talking about it. This is my synopsis (laughs) of this book. Yadda 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 yadda. Sorry, guys. For whatever reason, we're really struggling this season. (laughs) Like, we cannot get an episode out on time. I'm having a really hard time just like getting through some of these books. They're good books, though. They're good. Oh, so good. Like, I, we're just really struggling this season. Psycho was my favorite so Psycho far, I think. Psycho was so good. I think it's just because I was surprised by it, and I, yeah. hadn't, I hadn't read it yet. Yeah. I had read this one before. I think my one, like, negative takeaway from this book is the way that it's structured in the beginning is very tedious. Mm, yeah. And it's uh, it just it took me so long to get through the beginning of the book. Once the storyline got better, I was like, oh, shit, okay, I'm flying through it. But there's so much of just Rachel being sad and drunk Yeah, it kind of, like, because there is so many chapters of Rachel just being sad and drunk and just making bad decisions doing, like, bad things, you just, as a reader, you're not on her side. No. In the beginning, you're not. she's, like, our main narrator. Yeah. And then you just, like, you pull so far, far, far away from her. And I think that's um, kind of, like, you know, a great attribute to Paula's writing, because I'm sure that's how people around her are feeling. Right. So it's, as a reader, we're experiencing what the people around Rachel are feeling. I mean, because let's be honest, like, she's not the girl she used to be. Nope. She's not. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. I guess that will lead us straight into characters. Straight into characters. Look at a, that. That was a good segue. segue. Very smooth. Yes. Um, so speaking of characters, I guess we're going to start with Rachel. Let's start with Rachel. Um, one of my favorite quotes from Rachel is, uh, towards the beginning of the book. It's, I'm not the girl I used to be. I'm no longer desirable. I'm off-putting in some way. It's not just that I put on weight or that my face is puffy from the drinking and the lack of sleep. It's as if people can see the damage written all over me, Mm. can see it in my face, the way I hold myself, the way I move. And then just that line of as if people can see the damage written all over me, that just hit me you know what that kind of gives me a visual though of sharp objects oh okay because it literally is written yeah and just when you read it not when i read it but just now when you read it Uh i was like oh my gosh like Mm -hmm. tie in tie in maybe like our mini shelter be comparison and contrast like what the (laughs) fuck are we doing i don't know man i I really (laughs) like true crime so (laughs) (laughs) all right all right but comparison and contrast. This <laughs> isn't an English class. An English class. <laughs> we did poetry last season. I know, right? Our remedial poetry classes, right? Um, I do really love that, though. I think it gives us a very clear insight into what's happening in Rachel's life, how she's feeling, mm-hmm. and how she thinks the people around her are perceiving her. Yeah, and I think it's accurate. I was. It, I think something that I do like is that there are i i do feel like rachel despite all the things that she does is the moral compass mm. character in this novel i because think I agree. she's aware of the things that she's doing and feels guilty about them right and she even she even says she doesn't feel guilty enough about mm-hmm. some of the things that she's done yeah so i that's why i think like maybe she was like our Uh, Maybe that's why Paula wrote her as, like, the main narrative because she is actually the moral compass and comes out stronger in the end than anybody else does. Yep. Fucking, get a fucking corkscrew, man. Fucking corkscrew. (laughs) You know? Anything that works. Anything that works. uh, Do what you need to do. Um, So something I think is really interesting about Rachel is that she does ride this train every day to glance at. Her, um, you know, almost like at her old life, but then also the glance at like the life that she could have had by viewing this like golden couple. Um, I really like the compare, like comparison, where Rachel's always looking like at the houses coming by and she's on the train, and then Megan, our, yeah. our other character, is always looking at the trains going by, but she's standing still. She's not on the move. Well, and and Megan wants to be on the train she wants yeah, to be she doesn't on the move want to be there and Rachel wants to be in the home in the home um i have i have a quote from right at the beginning of the book it's it's right in the, that first chapter about with Rachel she says there's something comforting about the sight of strangers safe at home and i thought that was really cool like like you said i mean cuz she's surrounded by strangers on the train mm-hmm. But they're not at home, they're going somewhere. Yeah. They're not in the comfort of their homes. That makes sense. So, I mean, I get that. I used to, like, in my neighborhood, I used to, like, walk in my neighborhood all the time. And then people would leave their lights on in their home. I love looking with into people's their blinds open. I fucking love it. It's so it's just it's oddly comforting and I'm like oh what are you watching oh yeah. good movie good movie Ooh, good show how do you have your couch set up I it's, know right that's not, especially like I because I live in an apartment you know like <laughs> so the people downstairs for me always have their like windows and stuff like that open yeah like, their pets and stuff um the cutest fucking pets and so I'm walking by and I'm like mm, okay you have the same layout as I do where's your couch where's your tv yeah How's your kitchen? Like, I just am curious how other people have their homes laid out versus how I have my home laid out. Me too. Well, for me, it's like the activity. So, like, I used to walk around like seven or eight o'clock, and like, people would be at, either people would be at dinner, yeah, they had have their family to be at dinner, mm-hmm. or they would already be sitting on the couch, yeah, walk, relaxing for the evening. And I just like I love that quote because yeah. that's what it made me think of. Like, we're all voyeurs. Mm-hmm. In some way. Yeah, in some way. Like yeah. all we all want We all want to know what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. I like that. Yeah, that's just kind of a cool thing. Yeah. Um, one of my other things that I really liked about Rachel, again, I do think Rachel's very insightful um, into herself as a person. Mm-hmm. So what I really liked about her was in, like, you know, we're starting off in, like, this book, and she already says things like um, – whoopsie wrong page Mm -hmm. um she already says that like um she was already always told that she had like an overactive um imagination oh i i have the uh i have the quote oh yeah my mother used to tell me that i had an overactive imagination tom said that too (laughs) (laughs) So already at the beginning, she's admitting that she is about to what she's about to share may be the fruit of her imagination. Yeah, we're already setting her up as an unreliable witness. We're already setting her up as an unreliable narrator. Yep. So it's like the reader's job to figure out which version of the story is true, and we mm-hmm. don't get that till the fucking end of the book, till like the last two chapters. Jesus Christ, you're right. That did take a while. It takes so long. It takes so long. It is a good book. I like the book, but it just takes so long to fucking get there. Yeah. Well, do you think Rachel's an unlikable character? I think in the beginning she is. And then, and especially when we learn about some of the things that she's done, like showing up at the house and taking taking the baby. That's the craziest thing. Yes. Um, and I can understand a little bit why Anna feels threatened by her or Absolutely. feels unsafe or anything like that. I, I get it. But at the same time, half of what she thinks she's done is not true. Mm-hmm. It's it's lies that Tom fed her. So it's like I feel like once we kind of learn that, you have a little bit more sympathy for her and you begin to like yeah. her a little bit more for dealing with, you know, an abusive husband you realize that maybe some of her personality traits are are what have been fed to her yes and and that she's feeling contrition for things that she didn't actually do which i think is a lot of it i think that happens to a lot of us sometimes like have you ever noticed when you fight with somebody you just apologize anyways yes (laughs) yes oh my gosh i feel like i say sorry all the time for things that are not my fault you do say sorry all the time i'm trying not to yeah Good. How so, had a situation like that happen to work today. Something that was absolutely not my fault that I was involved in but was not my fault happened. And I wanted to apologize for it. And I was like, no. Yeah. I didn't do this wrong. Just because I had a hand on it doesn't mean it was my fault that it was wrong. <laughs> doesn't like, mean it no. was my fault I was wrong. I've done that at work before. But I like I got to that point where I was like, you know what? I'll take the blame for it. See, if something is truly my fault, then Sure yeah but just because it passed through me does not mean it was my does fault does not mean it was your fault at so all. i'm not gonna apologize or it or you know no take pity on you know what i mean like i'm not getting the second i'm not gonna oh my god <laughs> i got stuck on a loop i <laughs> stuck on a loop <laughs> i promise i haven't been drinking like <laughs> <laughs> pregnancy brain is as good as being drunk i guess sure oh, there you go not really um, yeah, so I just say I, I like try to make sure I'm not apologizing for things that I know are not my fault. I think that's important for a lot of people. And especially women. Yeah. Because I feel like that happens a lot with women and I've read stories about it and I've talked to other women about it. Like I just feel like that's something that women just do compulsively. It's apologize for things that aren't their fault. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just our patriarchal society that we live in. Yeah, fuck that shit. <laughs> I apologize for things that work because I just don't care anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I'll get blamed for something. I'm like, thank you for the feedback. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do that. But thank you for the thank feedback. Thank you for the feedback. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Sometimes I'll get, like, email feedback, so I'm like, Argh! I'm like, okay, delete, delete, delete. You're going to get fired. Yeah. Okay. All right, per my last email. <laughs> oh, damn it. Delete, delete, delete. Thank you for the feedback. I'll do better next time. Send... <laughs> Yeah, because per my last email, it's pretty much a professional fuck you. It is a professional fuck you. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. I got an email chain I got to forward to you. I'm in a fight Ooh. right now with Amazon. <gasps> yes, I love it. I want to <laughs> see it. This is the best. <laughs> because these bitches Ooh. damaged our gate. Sorry, I work in, like, property management... Um, These bitches damaged our gate. I've gone back and forth with them to get, like, this invoice paid for the gate damage. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. they tell me they're going to be sorted. And then all of a sudden, I get an email saying they can't pay in check. They're saying, we only do online payments or cash. Excuse me, you are a big business. When damages are paid out, you pay it in checks. In checks. you're being shady as fuck. Yes. You're so trying to get out of paying it. You're trying to get out of paying it or, like, going through some other way of paying it. Yeah. I was like, businesses pay invoices in checks. Yes. That's how we do it. Yeah. Like, okay. So, or insurance, they pay you money in checks. They don't right. pay you in cash or online payments. Right. Right. Be that it may, I send an, uh, an email saying, "You know, I wish this was uh, conveyed to me before you said that it would be sorted. Can you please explain to me why a big company cannot pay out damages in the form of a check?" And this guy messages me back saying, "Like we do cash or online payment. This is how this generation of twenty twenty one works." Excuse me, I'm, no. I'm 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 in my twenties. Yes, don't I'm tell in my me 20s. How this generation. I works. also work in accounts payable personally. Me, I I do accounts payable. I take paper checks. Every single day, people still pay in. From check. big, com- I took big one company the games. other day from 3M, the company 3M whose yes. adhesive is everywhere, yeah, whose sheeting is on every single yeah. sign that you see on the street, yeah.
1: This I took a
0: paper check from 3M. This guy's bullshitting me. Yeah, yes, he he's trying to get out of it. He's trying to get out of it, and like he just sent me that like that, that nasty little oh. like. This is how this generation works, like, bitch. I know sorry. how this generation works. Okay, I stayed up till three a.m. last night <laughs> doing shots. Like, don't tell me how this don't fucking generation works. Don't tell me how this generation works. works. I still like, showed up to the bar. Millennial, 1991. <laughs> I know. <sign laughs> should off. add that to your signature. <laughs> I've got tequila, whiskey, and vodka in my body right now. Don't yes, fuck with don't me. don't fuck with me. I love that. Oh, my gosh. Anyways. Anyways. Um, wow, that was a sidetrack, there. It right? It's fine. Take that out of the episode. Jeez. It's fine, it's fine. Um, oh, I just, I love, I just, I just love sending emails sometimes. I mean, but I bring the same energy on the phone with people, so just, yeah. don't get me wrong. You're, you're a good, like, I've, I've heard you would be, like, um, professionally aggressive. Yeah. And you're good at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, like, it's a good quality. sweet looking. You are, and you have a sweet voice. Yeah. But you're, like, again, per my last email, <laughs> professional, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, you just yeah. have that tone in your voice, like. This is what I'm saying. You're going to take what I'm saying. You're not going to argue with me, you know? Don't argue with me. Yeah. I, I don't have that so well sometimes. I've just been a manager a lot, so. Yeah. See, I have no interest in being a manager. Don't no, do it. You. It's bullshit. No, It's, it's such you. bullshit. They're like, we're going to give you more money. And they're like, but you're also going to get wrinkles. You're going to be tied down to <laughs> your job. Yeah. You're not going to be able to have any fun. Yeah. So one of the perks of working for a small family-owned business is – I don't have anywhere to promote to. I just keep getting more, like, responsibilities, which is fine. Like, I'm in customer service. I should not do accounts payable. But, yeah, like, I like doing that kind of stuff. So, they're yeah. like, here, go ahead and do it. And I was like, great, thanks. Uh, but they still pay me very well. Like, Good. I still get the, like, manager pay. Yeah. But I'm at the top of my totem pole. I'm at the top of my department. You know, like, and I get to do other things. And I don't have to be a manager. That sounds really nice. I don't have to deal with... Angry customers yelling, or people's personal bullshit, or not that we have a ton of that, just because there's twenty of us. But you know, you yeah, know, I just I don't want to be a manager. Yeah, it's really not all it's cracked up to be. Nope, no thanks. I'm I good. I'll that doing that shit. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, what were we talking about? We we're talking about we were Rachel. Sorry. Yes. Anything else you want to talk about, Rachel? Yeah. Um. So. An interesting thing, like when, now this is my second time reading this book. Now, the first time I read this book, I I just couldn't stand Rachel because I kept asking myself, why do you keep involving yourself in this case? You are an outsider. Yeah. Like, there is no reason for you to be involved in this case. And I think it's because, like, you know, her subconscious knew that she was, like, kind of like a battered wife. Yeah. And that she was trying to ultimately find find the answer and she's trying not only to find the answer for herself but for the answer for Megan too because Megan was also like kind of sort of in an emotionally abusive relationship because Scott was always like on her case about yeah. everything checking her emails um, and her phone and stuff like that so that's just something that I just kind of noticed was like I was like you know for the longest time like I just couldn't like I'm like why are you getting yourself involved in this case you're saying stupid ass shit to the police of course they're not going to see you as a as a suspect yeah you keep going now oh you said an email that's got the husband what the fuck rachel yeah i think some of that too though is she has lived in her own imagination for a very long time true she doesn't have friends she doesn't conversate with anyone outside of Just sad. with us outside of her roommate you know i mean because at this point in the book at the point in the book oh my gosh you're doing good <sighs> doing good kid thank you At the point in her narration that we come into, she doesn't have a job. She hasn't had a job in, like, a year. So, like, she doesn't see friends. She doesn't see coworkers. She sees her roommate, and she drunkenly calls her ex-husband. So, like, she has this entire life in her head that she feels like she needs to see through. Okay. And one, two she finally has a purpose okay and she even says that a couple of times that she has finally like she she's doing something for a reason you know she has a reason not to drink Uh, you know i have to stay sober for megan i can't drink because of you know for scott or you know like Mm -hmm. so i think i think it's there are several reasons why Mm -hmm. she gets involved had the same thought for a while. I was like, "Well, like, just mind your own fucking business." I know, yeah, but I'm glad she didn't. Well, yeah, of course. Of course, I'm glad she yeah. didn't mind her own fucking business. Right. She witnessed a lot. A lot, and she didn't even know it. She didn't even know it. Yeah. Um. How do you think Emily Blunt did in the movie adaptation? I love Emily Blunt. I know. I mean, I love Emily Blunt, but she was too pretty. I also thought she was too pretty. Too pretty. Also, we talked about this a little bit earlier, before we started recording. I know we gotta stop doing that shit. I know. I just get so excited to talk about shit, right? Like you should just start recording as soon as you walk through the door. Cool. There's gonna be a lot of nonsense. <laughs> yeah, on a here. lot of bullshit. Um, <laughs> um, I think I lost. Oh, we we're talking about before that. Um, there there were tiny little details that were changed in the movie from the book that make no sense. Things that had no. Like, Megan in the in the movie was killed on a Friday. In the book, it was a Saturday. I know. What's the point in changing that? Like, it makes no sense whatsoever. Oh, actually, it does. Because, so, in the book, she was just, like, you know, drinking during the day until, like, she was able, like, to go and, like, go to that area. But I guess, like, in the movie, she's, like, on the commute to, like, from work and stuff like that or to work. I guess so. I don't fucking know either. I I thought it was a stupid detail. Yeah, and they show her drinking at a bar a lot, which we didn't – that wasn't a part of the book. No, like she would just drink at a bar like once or twice. Yeah, Uh, and she would go and she would sit by herself as far as we knew, Mm -hmm. you know, except for that one time with the red-haired guy. Um, I had a a point that I was getting to, and I'm just trying to talk until I remember it again. (laughs) (laughs) sorry um (laughs) like where it's like right there (laughs) just can't I love it it's like that Michael Scott (laughs) in the office he goes like he's like sometimes I don't even know where I'm going with the train of thought (laughs) he's like I just keep talking until something comes to me like I I had it we (laughs) I started this train of thought for a reason and then it derailed I did think Emily Blunt was too pretty for the role they really de pretty her though they did. I they mean, they played her a lot. They, they made her did the best they could, I think. And her face was super puffy. She did a really great job being like drunk, like angry drunk. Yeah. Like, she did a good job being black out, angry, drunk. Yeah. Um. And I, think I, I think her. Think she embodied Rachel. Really well. I think she did. I think her body is what I had problems with because mm. they like. Not that I think that she should have worn a fat suit by any means because that's just terrible. But, like, when you drink like that so heavily, it shows in your body, not just in your face. Like, mm-hmm. even, like, everything is puffy. Yeah. And she still was fitting into her business suits really well. Like, they could have made her suits fit a little bit tighter. That maybe yeah. would have portrayed that a little bit differently. Yeah. Even Tom said, like, do you think she can get, like, her, like, fat self over the fence? Over the fence. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. So. And I don't, I don't think in – In true, true form, that she actually was, you know, fat. No, I think that she just right. He's probably one of those guys that you have to be like the perfect weight all the time. Right, but I think they could have portrayed Mm -hmm. some of that physicality a little bit better Mm -hmm. in in Emily Blunt. It's just hard. She's just so gorgeous. I know she's gorgeous. Oh, I got it. I figured it out. I remember. Congratulations. I remembered. So the book takes place in London, but the, it takes place in New York. In the the movie, movie takes place in New what York, the fuck? but Emily Blunt still has an accent, and they never explain it. I i know. like, if you're gonna leave her with her British accent, then fucking tell us why. Why then? Why are we <laughs> putting this in New York instead of London? What your main what? character has or still has a British accent. Yes. The I'm, fuck. I'm like, why? Why? Why did we change it? Maybe because none of the other actors could like do a British accent. No. Luke Evans I know wait <laughs> Okay I know for sure Luke Evans I'm trying to think of the other people I Oh the other one's like Rebecca Rebecca Ferguson's British Yes exactly cuz she plays Anna Anna yes she's British Yeah Uh-huh I don't know man and I think that too was a little bit of what freaked me out everybody had a weird accent
1: like, yeah, because Rebecca even, Ferguson
0: has still like, that, she doesn't an American accent. No, and, like, but you could tell it was a bad American accent. Yeah. And same thing with Luke Evans, even though Luke Evans has a fine American accent and other things. And that one, it just, it, again. Yeah, this one was weird. It was weird. Very and random. And the wigs were really bad. Who had a wig? Anna and Megan. At oh. some point, both had wigs. I don't even look at that kind of stuff. Oh, my stuff. God. I could not look at it. <laughs> I was like, oh, my... Come on. I just was so distracted by a Luke Evans butt. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he was, like, having sex with his wife in the shower. I he know. He just, like, walked in, and I was like, what? It's a good butt. What? Hey. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. Jesus Christ. Right? That was good. And then I saw the guy who played Tom, and I was like, ew. Yeah. Oh, like, Tom's supposed to be, like, attractive, yeah, charismatic. Like, I was not getting that at all from no. the guy who played Tom. I think poorly casted. Part of what I didn't like about the movie, because I watched the movie right after I finished reading the book. Yeah. And because so much of the book is from Rachel's point of view, we don't get the same character development in the movie. Because no. it's not all, it's, it's a different narrative. Mm-hmm. So I think that was part of why I struggled with it too. That's true. Definitely very true. So yeah. it's a different narrative. You don't get as much character development. Yeah. Okay. Anything Nothing else about Miss Rachel? No, Miss Rachel. Good. She good. Okay. I'm gonna just thumb through my notes here got to make sure. In the end, she uh, Rachel killed Tom. She killed Tom with a wine core. I mean, isn't that kind of appropriate, right? Because like, he drove her to drink. To drink. So and then she killed him with a wine core. Yeah.
1: Um, through,
0: whatever. Whatever. I have a couple things I just want to talk about with Rachel a little bit that will come up with some of the other ladies as okay. well. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, this is a little. I wrote this down. She says she can't sleep when she's drunk, but she sleeps like a rock when she's sober. And I think that's funny because it's usually the other way around. Yeah, that's weird. Right? Anyways, so part of what drives Rachel to drink and breaks her and Tom up is the fact that she can't have children. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't know why there's no medical reason why there's nothing physically wrong with her she just can't have children and it's something that she's always wanted and it really fucks with her really really just sends her into this depressive spiral and because Tom is controlling and manipulative and things like that when she starts drinking he starts telling her that he's doing that she's doing all these crazy things and we're going to see a little bit of that motherhood kind of topic come up with the other women as well. So I just wanted to make sure we talked about that with Rachel. Oh, no, absolutely. That's definitely, like, her big driving factor. So, yeah. Like, she, like, you know, like, just kind of took Anna's baby for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, um, she, Rachel wants that perfect idealist suburban life. Yeah. And she even, that's why she doesn't see her friends anymore because they all have had children yeah, at guess. this point, And she can't stand to be around the kids because... It's not something she'll ever have. Yeah, I think, like, there was, like, she was, like, with her best friend one point and talking to her best friend, and she said something, like, she's like, well, that's so, that's fucking shit. And her best friend was like, don't say that in front of my kid. And the kid was, like, what, two years old? Right. And I'm like, <sighs> okay. They're yeah. not going to remember that. Nope. I mean, maybe. Whatever. <laughs> you can cuss in front of my kids if you want to cuss in front of my kids. You can cuss. I'm going to cuss in front of my kids, Okay, it's fine. I'm glad we have that, uh. Yeah. Settled. And then, I guess, let's segue into Megan, and I want to say that Megan, on the other hand, used to babysit for Tom and Anna, and she would rush home to wash the smell of the baby off of her. Yeah, but Megan has a reason why. Yes, but I still think it shows a similarity as well as a contrast between these two women mm-hmm. who both have had traumatic experiences with babies. Mm-hmm. Because... Megan can't stand to be around babies because she lost a baby and she feels guilty for it and Rachel can't stand to be around babies because she's not able to have a baby because she wants one so badly and I just think that's an interesting Does that make sense oh yeah no it makes perfect sense I'm like sense. did it, did it come no out, right? I got it got yeah because I was I'm, I'm thinking that yes okay and so thank you for putting it into yes. words for me okay that's so exactly what I was thinking so we want to we want to talk about what happened with Megan? Is she next or is Anna Megan's next? Megan's next. Okay. Not much to Anna. Yeah. I mean, slips Yeah. <laughs> that was probably rude. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say things like that about women. Yeah. No. But kind of. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have the whole conversation. Okay, so um, Megan. So Megan is our girl who goes missing. Mm-hmm. Um, She's killed by tom mm-hmm. but there's so much more to megan like we get a lot of different like you know viewpoints from her megan's got a lot going on so like in the book like we get her uh chapters like from like what is it six months or a year earlier about six months about six months earlier yeah so we start getting like chapters from megan who's deeply depressed and unhappy like in her life like she she hates being a wife because she feels like just being a wife is like waiting around around for something to happen and she's, Megan's lost a lot in her life. Mm-hmm. She originally lost her brother Yep. to a motorcycle accident who, like, she and her brother were going to travel the world together. Um, she then met with an older guy who was, what, 30? I think so. And she was 16, 17 mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and then they got into drugs. Um, and we're living out in this cabin by some trains. And this is, like, you know, this is back in Megan's history. Um, and then, you know, Megan ended up having a little girl. And then one day when Mac, the guy, was gone, she fell asleep in the bath with the little girl. and It was cold and they were trying to warm up. The little girl drowned. And this it's such, such, such a sad topic because it is something that does actually happen it does i and mean it's just it's terrifying i think for so many people yeah um and then when i watched it in the movie and then watching her reaction like because in the movie she runs out of the cabin just still like naked completely naked and crying yeah and it just got it it really did yeah me. i didn't cry when it happened in the book but i cried in the movie i cried in the movie like she did a really good job yeah um, with that emotional, um, aspect. Like, my, uh, I really love the quote at the beginning about how she's buried under the silver birch tree. Oh, yeah. Next to the train tracks. hmm Um, with, like, a, a rock so that there could be, like, some kind of remembrance. Right. And that's at the very beginning of the, of the book, and you don't realize what this quote is about until like you finally realize that Megan's lost her baby girl. Yeah, until again toward the end of the book. Toward the end of the book. So yeah. I have this like random like epitaph or like mm-hmm. foreshadowing going on here. Yeah. I'm like, who's buried underneath a fucking right a, a tree? Like yeah. what the hell? Was it Megan? Megan, is buried, Megan under buried a tree? tree. And it's not. It's her it's her, her baby. baby. <laughs> That's but um so sad and then she finds out she's pregnant again and mm-hmm. she's like i'm not going to do it that way this time i you know because it, when she was young they she didn't seek any kind of professional medical assistance she had the baby in the cabin there's literally no record of this baby ever even existing mm-hmm. and until they find the body of the baby and it's like you know she's just just determined she's like i'm going to do it right this time like i'm i'm going to get medical help i'm gonna tell everybody you know i'm gonna right my wrongs and talk to all the people that i've slept with you know and like let them know that it could be their baby which is so sad because that's such a turning point for her character because yeah she's she's just having affairs and like to, to like fulfill this hole in her life and she's feeling and she's so unhappy she's feeling so displaced and unhappy and and i can relate a little bit not necessarily in the extreme aspect that she does it but like and i think you can too you go through these phases where you just physically cannot sit still no and like Like, you you physically want to i like to describe it like this like you you things are going well in your life and like but you there's some hole inside of you and you just physically want to fuck something up yes and we've talked about this because mm-hmm. this is when I want to go get a tattoo or a piercing mm-hmm. or do funky things to my hair. Like, and those are my, like, tame things, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But we've talked about that before. It's like there are just those little, you just have to fill that need and you don't know what is going no. to fill that need. You just have to do something. That's because we're all damaged. And she says, um, I, I need to find something that I must do. And I, like, yeah, sometimes you just are not feeling fulfilled with your day-to-day life and you just got to do something that that you just have to do but you don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. So, like, you know, in the meantime for Megan, it's having affairs, Sleeping around. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a brief fulfillment, mm-hmm. but it's not fulfilling nope. in the end. And it sucks that, you know, she's got, like, this whole – you know, different type of personality and like turning around for her because ultimately it gets her killed. Yeah, which is sad because she's doing the right thing, but because she was with someone who wasn't a good person. Yes, that's what ended up happening. So, um, one of my, um, speaking of like, her, like you know that first that quote at the very beginning where like it talks about. Let me just pull it up because yep. you have my book. Yes, yeah, please. <laughs> Because I love how it's a quote at the... Oh, your bookmark says mischief managed. Oh, thanks. You. And your book's warm. That was on my computer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you were um, warming it up for me. I mean, of course, that's exactly what I was doing. I knew you were going to need my book, so I put it on my computer so it would be Absolutely. warm for you. Okay, so at the beginning of the book, it, she's buried beneath a silver birch tree, down towards the old train tracks, her grave marked with a... Karn. Not more than a little pile of stones, really. I didn't want to draw attention to her resting place, but I couldn't leave her without remembrance. She'll sleep peacefully there, no one to disturb her, no sounds but birdsong and the rumble of passing trains. And then on the next page, you get another quote, and you don't realize what that quote is until the very end of the book. And what that quote is, is one for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl. Three for a girl. I'm stuck on three. I just can't get any further. My head is thick with sounds, my mouth thick with blood. Three for a girl. I can hear the magpies, they're laughing, mocking me, a cackling, a tiding, bad tidings. I can see them now black against the sun, not the birds, something else. Someone's coming, someone is speaking to me. And then quote Now look, now look what you made me do. Ugh. And you realize that like that's at the beginning, but that's her when she's dying. That's what yeah chills. Just chills. Yeah. And then I love the whole three for a girl, three for a girl. And we're dealing with three Three female female characters characters. with different viewpoints of motherhood. Yes. Ah! (laughs) Good job, Paula Hawkins. I know. I just was like, this was awesome. So good. So good. Yes. (laughs) Um, One of the, they describe, she says a teacher once told her that she was a mistress of self-reimagination. And I really like I was like, okay, that's a good that's a good way to describe her, I think. She um she just wants to do all the things and she does them. She does them so she can just like live any that de- type of lifestyle that she wants. Yeah. I like that self-reimagination. She yeah. went from being randomly living in a cabin to mm-hmm. being like, you know, working in a gallery. Yeah. And then to being a, being stay-at-home, a wife. stay-at-home wife. But I think mistress of self-reimagination gives it a negative connotation a little bit. Yeah. Because usually a mistress is, mistress is yeah, a negative which, connotation. And she is a mistress. Oof. Um, yeah. Sorry. That's okay. My brain. Brains are hard. Yeah. I mean, this is why we do this podcast. I mean, we don't go to school. We just. Do this podcast I mean, instead, and we like really like read in our recreational time, so we might True. as well do something and get together. And we talk also about have full time fucking jobs. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, I will have to say. So when I watch movies, I love horror guts, blood, everything on the scene. Yeah. So when I watch the ending of the girl on the train, you do see her death scene. And it's pretty graphic, but I didn't realize how graphic it was, so I watched it with Hannah. And our friend Hannah doesn't like scary movies or anything mm-hmm. like that, but, like, and it's, I guess it's just tough. Like, you know, you're seeing somebody get killed yeah. by this guy, and, like, she just told him she was pregnant. And it's brutal. And he, he, he hit her with a rock and kicked, he put his foot in her face. Through her face. And then, like, Hannah's there, and she goes, oh, my God, and she covers her eyes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, she's so cute. <laughs> I know, but like I just like I guess I don't know. Like I'm just like I'm like oh my god. I'm a little desensitized realize... to it. I'm a little desensitized. Yeah, and yeah. It's graphic. It's graphic. Mm-hmm. I think what gets me in those kinds of scenes is the sound effects. Oh,
1: the yeah. sound
0: of bones crunching. Just that's what gets me. I think, and so you don't necessarily get that same effect in the book, of course, because you no. can imagine it. Yeah. But when you see it, in but a movie, when you actually see it. I like it when they do scenes like that because they take the background music out. Yes. And you just hear like birds maybe in the woods, mm-hmm. or, like the leaves, and then the murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I can we talk about that for a second about. Okay. This is a quote from Tom Fucker. But it's about it's about uh, Megan's death. Uh, she was bleeding a lot. She was crying, making a horrible noise. She tried to crawl away from me. There was nothing I could do. I had to finish it. And the way that he's describing this is like he's putting a – like when you hit a deer with your car and then you have to go out and find it and put it out of its misery. That's that's what he's describing, and it just turns my stomach. Yeah, he's a sociopath. Yes. And it just – I'm like how – this woman came to you and she was like, I don't, it could be yours. It might not be yours, but it could be. And he's like, well, I don't want anything to do with it. Why not just leave it at that? Let's you know leave what it I mean? At that. yeah. Like, but he had to go and, and you know, and, and start the antagonization. And then she's like, well, if that's how you feel about it, then I'm going to fucking ruin your life. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's what he killed her, you know? So it just. I mean, keep in mind, though, like, during, like, throughout the book, there's, there are moments where Megan does want to ruin his life. Yes. Because he's not answering her phone calls. And she says, well, if that's the case, then I won't just call your cell phone anymore. I'll call your home phone. Yeah. Um, we get all these, like, we don't know Megan's having an affair with Tom. But, like, we get all these, like, hints at it. Like, you know, let's, first, like, first hint. Let's talk about the first hint. It's in uh, Megan's first chapter. Uh, and it's talk about foreshadowing. She walks under the underpass and smiles at a guy in a passing car. Yep, I'm finding it. Foreshadowing. On the way back down the road, he passes me in his car. Our eyes meet for just a second, and he smiles at me. And then that's the first, like, that's little, it. like, yep. hint you get that, like, there's somebody else. But it's funny because you think it's Kamal. You, you think, think it's, it's Kamal the, therapist the whole time. The whole time. I don't know. But now I'm all like, damn, Kamal was the good guy. Right? He kept trying to turn Megan off. Yeah. And... yeah. Um, it just, yeah, there... The, I was telling Jessica this earlier. I wrote so many notes at the beginning of the book and I'm glad that I did because everything starts to come together at the end Mm -hmm. and I was going back through my notes and I'm like, Oh, they said this here and that's actually what happens here and like like, the end of the book. Oh my god. Yeah it all connects. It all connects. Yeah. Um But it is such a tedious book in the beginning that, like, sometimes you're like, oh, my God, what the fuck? And then everything happens in the last 50 pages. I think that's what makes it so good. Like, you you take a while to get there, then you get to the end, and then it's like a page fucking turner. Right. You're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, fuck you, Tom. (laughs) Fuck you, Tom. (laughs) I think the first time I kind of... I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, are we done with Megan? Um, I think so. Got okay. anything else about Megan? No. Ooh, I have a quote from Megan. Sorry, I just that's okay. Stumbled across. Stumbling. Sometimes I don't want to go anywhere. I think I'll be happy if I never have to set foot outside the house again. I just want to remain safe and warm in my haven with Scott, undisturbed. Which I thought was really, really interesting compared to everything else that we hear from Megan. She's that's always wants, wants that, to be the on the move. In that? She's just saying sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I don't want to go and oh, hold on, I gotta find it. Because that's like like all of her complaints in like all on every chapter she's in is all about how she wants to leave and she's tired of being so safe and she wants to like ruin something. I mean So this to me pointed I say to say Luke, Luke Evans too. Right? Ooh. This to me pointed to some mental illness. Mm-hmm. Because we're seeing so drastic of a flip mm-hmm. between her wanting to go out and get away and ruin shit. And then we see that. And it's like, um, what? What? That's such a different narrative from her than we've seen before. Sorry, I'm trying to find it. That's okay. There are no chapter numbers in this book. They're just dates. Yeah, they're dates and they're like, Rachel, Megan, Emma. Hey. Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. Megan, Megan, Megan. Um. So this is it's January tenth. So she goes missing, July thirteenth. Cool. So this is January tenth, before, and it's yes before, and this is the very first um chapter or the very first paragraph in her um in this chapter of hers, Uh and it follows right after uh, right after Rachel finds out that she's missing. So I think that's interesting because it's like Rachel doesn't know Megan. No, uh, uh, not at all. She never met her. And but Rachel and Rachel only knows her safe at home with Scott. Yeah, as uh, in Rachel's imagination, Jason and Jess. Jason and Jess. So I just think that was an interesting segue. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Oh, especially as like you know, Rachel just found out that she's missing, and then she segues into like sometimes I just like want to be safe at home. Right. And we know she's not. And we know she's, she's missing. Not. We know she's dead. Ah. So I thought that was interesting. Just a like an odd comparison between Good. what we usually see from Rachel. Good book. Do you want to talk about Anna a little bit at all? Do you have any notes for Anna? I don't have a ton of notes for Anna. Um, Anna just seems like the typical like boring housewife. Anna seems, yes, but my thing with Anna is that she knows the power of her looks, yes, and her femininity. Yeah, she knows what she what she was doing with Tom when she was uh, sleeping with him. Yeah, she even says at one point that she misses being the mistress. Yeah, she misses knowing being the knowing mistress. that she could make him leave his wife if she wanted to. Well, I mean, I think we've all gotten like at that point, you know, like you're like hmm. I mean, you like me. I bet I can make you leave. But that doesn't make you a good person. Ultimately, we don't want to do that. But Anna's is fine with doing that. She understands that aspect about herself. And then my problem with her is the very last scenes where the reason why, like, she, you know, goes with, you know, the whole killing Tom is because she doesn't trust him. Yeah. I mean, like, she understands that he has affairs. But ultimately, like, it's because she doesn't trust him. So I think we see, toward the end of the book, the complacency that she's willing to give. Oh, she's so complacent and boring and just accepts things. And accepts it. But I, too, think we can see a little bit of her aggression, mm-hmm. the way that she's similar to Tom in some ways. I have a, I have a quote written down. It says, um, she's, and she's talking about Rachel uh, she seems kind of aggressive. It's time I dealt with that. Oh, I that was mine. That was mine. She seems kind of aggressive. <laughs> it's not a quote from the book. No, the quote I have I followed it with a quote from the book. It's time I dealt with that bitch once and for all. Ooh, you know. So it's like you can see a little bit how she and Tom are similar. Yeah. And then after Rachel kills Tom, she goes over and she's like, "Okay, somebody else has done my dirty work for me." Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make sure they did it correctly, and then just like digs the corkscrew into In that. deeper, yeah. But had had that not happened, had Rachel not shown up and had that whole confrontation, nope. I think she would have just gone on and then just like, knowing had that, that Tom had that ha- was having affairs mm-hmm. and that he, he could have potentially killed Megan. Yep, yep. Which I think is I just think it's crazy, fucking wild, fucking wild. I mean, like if the person I love kills somebody. That's fine, but at least I want to know the reason why you killed somebody. Right, and, like, why didn't you, like, let me help you? Yeah, I mean, this is a whole different situation, <laughs> but, I mean... Right. I get it. You know, that's your partner. Right. Um, But what I do like about Anna is that she is dedicated to her daughter. Yes. And then having... She's the one who actually does have a baby which is what Rachel wants and what you know, Megan has to go home and like wash the baby off. Yeah. And then Anna says there's no greater joy than being a mother. Yeah. And I think, I think Megan is, is afraid to be a mother again. hmm And Rachel wants so desperately to be. I like this uh, quote that um, Rachel says because I think it describes like all three of them. Um, the quote is let's be honest. Women are still only really valued for two things. Their looks and their role as mothers. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of ties all three of them up together. It does. It really, really does. Yeah. Like, what this book is about, it's about, like, you're either, like, your power over men or men, men's power over you, mm-hmm. and then your role as a mother. Yeah. And I think we see kind of the variations between the three. Rachel doesn't have looks, and she doesn't have a baby. I think at one point she had looks. She had to have. Sure, but not in the time span that we know her. Truth. Um, Megan has looks and no baby. Anna has both. Looks and baby. Yeah, but she doesn't have a moral compass. Okay, but, like, that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) True, true. It's not the point. It's not not the the quote. Um, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Oh, you know, and what what was... Uh, you talked about the three, the mother, the crone and the Oh, and sharp objects. Yes. Um, it's the it's called the the mother, the crone and the maiden They're aspects of Wicca. And I think that fits these three people as well. Oh, interesting. It's so fascinating how some of these points pull together. It is, isn't it? Like, across our different books. Maybe maybe we should have other people pick our books for us. Maybe. <laughs> Let's do that next time. Maybe yeah. next season, like even though they're already pre <laughs> I was going to say, they're already pre-scheduled. <laughs> we should have, like, people pick our books out for us. Yeah. Maybe after we get through our list. I know. These are books I want to read. These are books I want to okay. read. Okay. Partially books I already own because this shit's expensive. It's expensive. Like – Or, and I also want to reread them to, like, you know, deep dive. Yeah. To yeah. deep dive and to, to conversate about them. I mean, there yeah. are so many points that I've learned from you – about books that I've read a hundred times You know and I'm like oh shit I didn't even see that like, I know it's great It's so awesome to hear somebody else's point of view about it Absolutely I In, a, in so a critical so. sense In a critical sense mm-hmm. Yes yeah. okay so anything else about Anna No Okay do you want to take a booze break Yeah You still have a very full of glass Yeah Okay You want to I- just refresh maybe I won't make you chug it It's no fun to chug it by yourself back. It was not a true booze break. Jessica got a bowl of cereal. Reese's Puffs. Reese's Puffs. But she's happy. (laughs) She's satisfied now. I do feel extremely satiated. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very happy for you. Yeah, that was good. Good. I don't know how the milk and the gin are going to do well together. Yeah. Um, but I'll let you know. (laughs) Yeah. Keep us posted. I'll I'll keep you posted on that um, mixture. Yeah. In my belly. Well, but they there are drinks like like the white Russian that's vodka and milk. I also don't drink that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we the buttercup had vodka and milk in it. Ah uh, yes. Uh, but it wasn't yes. like a lot of milk. That's true. So it was like a But sheesh. you haven't had a lot of gin Scooby- either. That's true. I haven't had that vibe, so Yeah. I'm just talking shit. Anyways, okay. So we're back. We're gonna chit chat a little bit about the men in the book. Yes. Let's go ahead when you when you're ready. Okay, so while we do have our our we have three female characters and they are going to be our male characters. However, some of the actions that they take, some of the sadness that they have, the depression that they have, are do come from the men that we have in our book. So the men in question are Tom, fucker, um, Scott Hipwell, which is mm-hmm. Megan's husband, and I mean, Megan also has like. Megan's sad about, you know, like, her brother dying, uh, Matt, her older brother, boyfriend leaving her after their baby died, and then Megan has a lot of men in her life that have affected her. Kamal, the therapist. Kamal, the therapist. The other one that we see in this book. True, and, like, you know, like, we think he's the bad guy, and he's actually not the bad guy. Um... Which I thought that was interesting. Why they changed his character up in the movie? See again, one of those things like that. What he's very clearly Indian in the book, or like yeah, and and you couldn't even tell what he was in the movie. I think he's Spanish because he spoke like Spanish to her at like this one part. Oh yeah, I remember yeah. he was like shaking her. Yeah, because Kamal is a Spanish name. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like the guy what? who was playing him also played the the guy who played uh, Versace in the uh, American crime story. Oh, I didn't watch that one. Oh my god! I watched an episode or two and I didn't like it. <gasps> Chris said it's so good. Maybe I'll try it again. Oh my god! You need to. I mean, come on, Ricky Martin is in it. I mean, okay, sure, but <gasps> I watched a couple episodes. I couldn't get into it. That's okay. That makes sense. Yeah. You it know. happens like that sometimes. You and I have different tastes. We do, and that's perfectly acceptable. Very, varying different tastes. <laughs> it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to talk about the guys because... So, um, because of these guys, there's there's a lot about appearances in this book, and it's mainly that it deals with the men. So, Rachel discusses how she's not the girl she used to be, and how the damage is written all over her face. Um... Megan is, like, you know, beautiful, and then so is Alan as well. But, like, with Tom, Tom comes off as being the perfect husband. Um, but he's actually gaslighting. Yeah. And manipulative, manipulative. abusive, Abusive. And he lies. And then Scott also can come off as, like, the perfect husband, too. And we don't realize it until Megan starts revealing it to her therapist that Scott's always, like, on her computer or always, like, looking through her things because um he's like overprotective yeah and she doesn't see that as abuse because she's okay with it she's okay with it but her therapist says that it's still abuse that's emotional abuse Mm um so i just think it's like interesting how oh and gosh not to mention the the actions that scott takes towards rachel Yes, drags her up into a bedroom mm-hmm. and then locks her in there. Yeah, like okay, that's physical fucking abuse. I mean, right. also Rachel's kind of like a manipulative and a bit of a bitch. Sure, say, but, but that still. doesn't mean she deserves to be physically abused. No, you know, I mean by any means, because um, he like holds her up against the wall by her neck as well. Like, I mean, is very physically aggressive. Very physically aggressive. So, I mean, it just kind of goes. I was like. It's weird. It's just, like, why are, like, both of these male characters in this book so aggressive? hmm I just thought it was interesting how they were. Yeah. Aggressive. We don't have really great, uh, we don't have great male characters. No, no. 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 I mean, even Kamal was, like, kind of, like, uh, falling under Megan's spell. Yeah. Uh, even though he would, like, try to push her off and talk about, like, you know, transparency. hmm Um, but he's still falling under her spell of, like... Yeah. You know, her sexual spell, her siren, her siren song. Her siren song. I'll call it siren song, you know, because some people have that. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's interesting is we see a lot of similarities in our female characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, For instance, they talk about how Megan and Anna look very similar. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we see a lot of personality similarities sometimes between Rachel and Megan. And then we see also in the men... Uh, those same similarities, those same violent tendencies, the abusive tendencies, and things like that. Of course, Scott is not as psychotic as Tom is. Because not only is Tom like a compulsive liar, he believes his lies. He believes them. He says, you made me do this. Yeah. It, now and, look what you made me do. Exactly. And he firmly believes that. So I think that's where we have the distinction between the two aggressive men in the book. And I think there was, isn't there like a part in the book where like Rachel's looking at things about Kamal and then he has like a something on his background like about domestic violence? I can't remember. Anyways, I, I thought that like that was something that I heard. I also cheated and uh, listened to an audio book. Just go ahead, walk me down the street, <laughs> just with a bell behind me while yep. I'm naked. And just shame, shame. So there's nothing wrong with audiobooks in general cool. for leisurely reading. <laughs> for leisurely reading, but I think, especially in when because we, we've talked about this in psycho too, syntax is so important. It is, yeah. So I'm shamed of you for Sorry. for doing it for a podcast book. I won't do it again. <laughs> Whatever, whatever gets you through it. To be honest, though, I I won't do it again. <laughs> I still uh don't have all my things, <laughs> right? But I do have the uh, the next book ready, woohoo! To go, so yeah. we're good. Um, are we good on the boys? I think so. Yes. So basically, you know. In conclusion, fuck them. Yes. All right. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Questions. Questions. I'm gonna go first. Sure. Okay. <clears throat> okay. In Sharp Objects, we discuss the relationship of mother and her daughter, plus the effects. In Psycho, we see how a mother can damage her son. It's interesting how the books we have read so far deal with motherhood. But in this book, has the presence? how has the presence of babies changed our mothers? The mothers that we see in the book, you mean? Mm-hmm. That's a very good question. I'm going to think about it for a second. I think... We've, and we've talked about this a little bit already. Like, obviously, we see that not being able to be a mother has affected Rachel in this in this way that she's become self destructive and depressive. And we see a little bit that, of that in Megan as well. Um, but part of that, I think, could be Megan's just general personality, not specifically because of what happened with the baby. Um, but she's afraid to be a mother. She doesn't want to make that mistake again. And then with Anna, she becomes all about the baby and all about her motherhood. And she doesn't seem to have much of a personality outside of of being a mom. And I think, too, we see the way it affects the guys in the book. Okay. Because Tom is super pumped to have a baby with Anna, but... I mean, has the literal and a completely opposite reaction to having a baby with Megan. Well, she doesn't want to fuck up, like, you know, his perfect life that he's created. Sure, but there are other responses to that. I mean, yes. You yeah, know what I mean? There other responses. Like, so, and, and Scott wants so desperately to be a father. They talk about it all the time. It's, it's the cause of a lot of their fights, is what they say. And... Um, And he, he finds out that she's pregnant And he's excited and sad Then he finds out that it's not his And I think that's what Turns him into that rage monster that we see a little bit Yeah <clears throat> A rage monster Yeah Did I answer your question? Uh huh Okay Are you satisfied with my answer? I am satisfied Okay I love it Very nice For me it's value Yeah I think like uh, the, the presence or lack of presence of uh, children Affected the value of all three of them and how how they value how they see themselves, like how they value themselves, and how they value others around them. Mm-hmm. Being as like you know, Anna values herself as like you know, being the perfect mother, um, and having that perfect life and being complacent. If like there's a couple of things that are not okay with it, Megan doesn't value herself well at all mm-hmm. um, because of her mistake. And then Rachel knows that women are judged on their looks and like being a mother, so she knows that she has no value without that perfect life yeah which includes children and that's part of you know you talked about earlier about you know what women are good for is their looks and their ability to have children apparently yeah and i could i could i could angry rage talk about the patriarchy forever but you know we're not gonna go there we're not gonna go there uh, what's your question? Um, so this was something that I didn't really see until the movie. Okay. And I wanted to know if you saw this through the book because okay, it's portrayed that she's sleeping with Kamal. Yeah. So is she actually or, what, or is what we're seeing the scenes that she's sleeping with Tom and we just assume that it's Kamal? Yeah, we assume it's Kamal. That she's actually sleeping with Tom. So you don't think she slept with Tom, with Kamal at all? Oh, I do. Like in the book, I totally fucking do. Like I think like she did like maybe once or yeah. like they did something together. Yeah. But throughout the book, there's all these scenes like it's like, um, oh, at the hotel last night, you made me feel this way. Nobody else has made me feel that way. But she never specifically says Kamal, right? but it but those scenes are always followed by okay, a therapy a session, session. cuz like Paula wants to think it's about Kamal but it's not about Kamal right. it's about Tom it's that bait and switch but i mean still then like we the reason why we think it's Kamal is because Megan has such like high thoughts of him mm-hmm. and does come on to him and yeah. showed up at his house right twice and she even at one point says she's she like thinks about the way his voice about his accent mm. And things like that, I mean, you know. I so, get it. so, I mean, right? Hey. Yes, yeah, so I just wanted to, to like, because it never even occurred to me that she could not be sleeping with him until I watched the movie, and I was like, oh shit! Like maybe she didn't have a physical relationship with him at all, and it was just all, you know, the vagueness. Yeah, maybe she never had a, like a physical relationship, but like I kind of want to think that they did, but maybe they just never did. Maybe it was just the emotional relationship, yeah. and we were feeling their emotional. Affair, um, yeah, through the book, right? Okay, sounds good. Okay, next question. The next question. <clears throat> <clears throat> Just like with Tom, appearance and charisma can be dangerous. Can you tell me about a time when someone's appearance didn't match their duplicit nature in your own life? Um, um, I don't see people that often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to. I feel like I'm being like interviewed for a job. Oh, okay. Well, I'll a, I'll save that for a question for later when I need, when I need to hire somebody. I'm trying to think. Have I ever had any friends that were like backstabbing friends? I don't think so. Um, anybody backstabbing that you know, like their their appearance didn't match their their personality. Hmm. The only person that comes to mind is there was there was a lady that i worked with very briefly at the hotel and she, she came off as this very nice christian lady all this you know fancy stuff and then she just flat out told me one day that wesley and i were not going to last that our relationship was going <sighs> to crumble if we moved in together because this was right before wesley and i moved in together she was like if you do that you guys you guys are going to break up immediately within two weeks Oh, my God. What a bitch. And I was like... And I had known her for approximately two weeks at that point. Yeah, you don't know me. Yeah. I was like, okay. So that seemed... That I think is just... Because it has stuck with me for so long. Yeah, that really must have. Because that was a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, that's been six or seven years at this point. Yeah. And she called me not too long after... About six months after I stopped working there, after I had, like, fully moved to San Marcos, and she and her husband had split up. They had divorced, and she was <laughs> dating somebody from the hotel that lived in San Marcos, and she wanted to know if we wanted to get dinner sometime. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry. What? Wow. You, like, tout yourself to be this hella Christian lady, and you you tell me that my relationship is not going to last. And here your relationship has not lasted, and you're you're immediately dating somebody else. Wow! And then let's get dinner. And let's yeah, let's get dinner. And let's be friends. I'm in San all the time, and I'm like, like we weren't we weren't chummy when we worked together. Like, what makes you think we're gonna be chummy now? Like, yeah, no, thank you, no, thank you. It's the only thing I can think of. And she didn't like me at all. Like, and she did. She made it very plain. And I'm like, I don't. I don't know what I did to offend you. Like, I feel like I'm a pretty nice person in general. Yeah, you are nice. You just, like, come off as, like, a... I know that I'm, like, quiet and sometimes that's intimidating, but, like... It is intimidating to people. I don't know. Just, she, like, she just did not like me. I get it. Some people don't like it. You're like, I don't know why. Like, I didn't either. I mean, it's not like I, you know, have ever told you, you know, to go fuck yourself to your face. Like I don't think you would ever say that to somebody to their face unless, like, they were talking about your friends, Wesley, your family, or your new child. <laughs> yeah. Or my cat. Oh, that's true. <laughs> now, yeah. Let's not forget Luna. Throw Luna in there. <laughs> no, I mean, like, and I feel like I'm one of those people. Like, I would not say something behind your back that I wouldn't say to your face. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what I did to that lady. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and for I did have laryngitis the first week we worked together, so I didn't have a voice the whole. So it's not like we even could have gotten to know each other because I didn't have a voice for, <laughs> literally for a whole week. And, oh, I remember you remember that. You yes. were sick I was very sick. You don't get sick like that. No, but because I worked overnights, there was oh only God. two of us. And at the time, she was new, so I was training her. So it was just me and this new girl. So I had to work like 14 days straight, and I was so, so sick. Yeah. I had like bronchitis that yeah. turned into laryngitis. Like, it was bad. and But I still had to go to work. Like, I still had to be there. and So I'm like, what? What did it was it that first week that we didn't talk? Like Maybe. I physically could not talk to you. <laughs> so yeah, I that's the only person that comes to mind. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I love that you've had uh, such great experiences with people. It's not that I've had great experiences with people, it's that I've had limited experiences with people. <laughs> <laughs> like on that personal type of level, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I have few very close friends. Yeah. And I always have, I mean even even through middle school and high school, like I've had view a handful of very very close friends so that's always been. i don't get to know people i don't like people that much i think that's pretty obvious <laughs> <laughs> that's just so crazy because that's just so opposite yeah of me <laughs> yes i know you're like a social butterfly and you want to be friends with everybody yeah i do nope <laughs> nope you're like i'm good it's so stressful is it? Like, I can barely keep up with my friendship with you and with Hannah and <laughs> Leslie. Like the, you are the three people I talk to on a regular basis, and then I have a couple friends that I don't talk to very regularly that I wish I talked to regularly, but just everybody's so busy. Yeah, like like I told you, you know, we're gonna I'm gonna meet up with Val. I haven't seen Val in over a year. Jeez, has it been that long? And I guess time flies as you get older. It really does. It really, really does. And especially, shit. like, she has kids. She has older – they're teenagers, you yeah. know? So it's, like, she's got shit going on with them that she has to take care of. Yeah. You know? So you just don't – just don't always have time. <laughs> um, okay. Do you have a specific time that you'd like to talk about? Oh, that was definitely a question just for you. Um, but – Oh, no. We're going to turn this shit around. Okay. Okay. This is actually a pretty recent situation. Oh, okay. Tell me about it. So, um, there's this guy that I was kind of sort of sleeping with, slash, not really. Like, we I text him every once in a while, but like the last time I would seen him was like in like the beginning of October, um, and then we were gonna be neighbors. Like, we he, I know he lived in the same complex as I did, and so I was like, hey, cool, we're gonna be neighbors um and then I think I texted him like when like the snowstorm happened and then he was all like hey you should come over and I was like cool I'll come over um I was like hey I'm heading over and he's like oh I'm busy I was like okay that's fine I'm just head back home like no big deal and then I think like it was another day later I invited him to his party didn't go but um he texted me the next day and asked how the party was I was like oh it was great I'm like I'm actually at like your Um, your apartment complex right now because I'm working at your apartment complex right now. He's like, oh, you should head over. So I head over. We chit-chat. We chit-chat. We end up having sex. And then he's like, I got to go. And i was like, okay, cool. He's like, you can stay if you want, but he's like, but I got to go get my brother's car washed. Um, Do you know where a good car wash is? Audience, please keep in mind, Mm -hmm. there's a car wash right outside this apartment community. There's actually a car wash inside the apartment community because they provide that. Mm -hmm. Anyways... Moving okay. on. Yes. So I'm already kind of like, okay, bro, I'm leaving. But yes. I mean, like, if you have plans, just say just it. say that. Don't tell me you got to go get a car wash at yeah. eight on a Sunday. That's Anyways, such a weird excuse. Moving on. I texted him later because I'm like, did you find a place to wash your car? Um, and then... He, he texts me back a couple of hours later. Again, this, this is not, like, a big crazy thing. It's just, yeah. like, a, something super simple. Um, so in the morning, I get a Snapchat message from a coworker of mine. Her name is Sophie, who I'm new friends with. Okay. Um, and she says, hey, like, are you friends with this guy? And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, I've kind of been seeing him. And she's like, we were actually together on Sunday nights. He left to go hang out with her. What? Keep in mind, after we had had sex, he was all like, "Oh, where have you been? Yada yada yada," and then was all like, "We're gonna hang out more, right? Like, don't ghost me again." What a simp. What? Anyways,
1: oh my god. Um,
0: See, I could, I absolutely could not date right now so then Sophie and I are going back and forth because she's was like yeah he said like y'all were just like friends I'm like yeah we are just friends I was like but we totally hooked up before he went to go see you right and I was like apparently like he and Sophie like had like they hadn't talked about their feelings yet and stuff but they were basically dating um so like and then he was saying things like because I had told Sophie a couple of things and then, like, she showed me his messages that they were messaging. I was like, uh-uh, bitch. And I showed her, like, I screenshotted my phone, too, and showed her my phone, too. I was like, don't let them play you like no, that. No, yeah, of course not. Anyways, so I guess that was the soonest one that that, that, that happened. That is crazy. Because it was, like, the appearance. It was this appearance. It was, like, the bold-faced lie. Yeah. You know, like, dating right now is hard. I I could not at all imagine it, dating it, right now. It's really hard. Like, they're just... I mean, just say you have plans. I don't have any qualms with you, bro. Like, right? Like, I'm not. This is not a relationship. I'm, I'm also not even an adult trying to catch feelings. I'm not like, like I'm not a young girl anymore. Yeah. Um, like, I understand that this is just a hookup. Like, whatever. I mean, even then, like, it's not. It's fine to just be friends with benefits, though. Too. Yeah. It doesn't have to. I, I don't want to just like randomly hook up. Like right. I would like, you know, just friends with benefits is is totally cool because then I, I know you i know that i know what i'm doing right um but like just be straight yeah <laughs> don't go making shit up don't go making shit up because you gotta get caught oh my god anyways that was the, my soonest one stupid but anyway so now sophie and i are best friends Yay. so the moral of the story you. there you go <laughs> a fuck boy brought you together they always do <laughs> They're good for something. They're good for something. And he's never going to listen to this podcast, so. Nice. That's great. I love that. <laughs> so good. That's funny. So that was my, uh, I guess, my whole uh, appearance and charisma not matching their duplicit nature. Yeah. Interesting. Just, honestly, it's just like one of those like kind of like people, or one of those kind of guys who just say things that they think that you want to hear. Yeah. And it's dumb. Like, just... Honestly, like, and, and I think this is one of those things that I'm realizing as I get older. I have no, not no filter, but I'm not ever going to to shade the truth to you. Yeah. I'm going to be 100% honest in yeah. every aspect. Yeah. Like, because I just don't have time for it. Yeah. It's not about that life. Yeah. And I, like, expect the same from other people. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm almost 30. Just tell it to me straight. Me too. Like I'm just like at that point now. Well, I'm also at that point now where I'm like I don't care. Cause uh, yeah, exactly. Jeez, I'm just I don't care. Right. Oh yeah. There was this one time like I was with this other guy and he was all like he was like I hope you don't catch feelings for me and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> honey, I'm sorry. What? Do you have the biggest dick in the world? Cause no. That's the only way we're gonna catch feelings. That's a definite no. Right? What is it with people, oh, just. They're just so cute. They're so cute. They're so oh my cute. god, you're such a cute little thing. I had a conversation with somebody. This was work related today. We had a customer call and like yell at us because oh, he hadn't that. received his shipment yet. Oh goodness. However, yeah, we have a signed delivery ticket from 20 minutes prior to the phone call that he called and cussed us out at. Ah. So I, I was telling the guys at work, like. What what life must be like for people who have that kind of audacity and confidence and, and no anxiety? Because I have no idea. Like, I have to call and find a pediatrician for the baby. And I'm like, I just got comfortable calling and making my doctor's appointments. <laughs> now you have to make doctor's appointments for someone 29 else. 29 years old. Now I have to call and make <laughs> doctor's appointments for somebody else. And I'm, like, panicking. Can you do mine, too? No. No, thank you. Because i got to call and make an appointment for Luna, too. God damn it. Three people I have to be worried about now. And I'm like, are you kidding? Does Wesley make his own appointment? Wesley or? doesn't go to the doctor. Oh, okay. Well, then you don't need to worry about right. him. Whatever. He'll live. He's an adult. He can also make his <laughs> own appointment. But still, it's like, what must life be like to have that kind of audacity? I don't know.
1: I've know never yet. done that
0: unless somebody deserved it. Blows my mind. Yeah, it blows my mind. I've never yeah. cussed somebody out though either. though no. so Anyways. Just be rude. Sparkle, because I just I have this feeling that we haven't seen each other in a long time. Yeah, Even when I saw you last week. Was it really only last week? Really week? Uh huh. It's been um, two weeks. It's been two weeks. Yeah, I have one. Yeah. I have a talking point. It's not necessarily a question, but it's just okay. something that I wanted to bring up really quickly. Deal. Two quotes. Okay. Um, both from Rachel, and they're just. And maybe this fits a little bit more into our literary devices than it necessarily does a question, but I don't have another question, so that's where it's going. You good? This is why we didn't record on Sunday. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is why it's taken us two weeks, because Jessica's been sick. Okay, so, um, this is, this first quote is from when they, uh, have discovered Megan's body, and Rachel says, the rain is finally gone, it's work done. And that I liked that quote just on its own. Um, And then toward the very end of the book, when Tom has hit uh, Rachel in the head, um, she's coming to, and she says, as though I'm hearing him through water. And I just felt like those two quotes go together. Mm -hmm. Because not that Megan drowned, but the water is what brought her Back yeah. to life, kind mm-hmm. of, in a way. Mm-hmm. And Rachel is also coming back through water. And I just felt like that symbolism was there. Yeah. And I just couldn't, I don't know, I just, like, I just wanted to talk to you about it. Okay. You know? Well, I, I actually, I love the water, the symbol of water in books because they, people, you know what, all your teachers and professors will say water is the symbol of life. For me, it's dual. Water can take life away and it can give life yes, because yes. so many people. You read these thrillers and mysteries where people are drowning mm-hmm. in or they're suffocating. Yeah, and I do like water in books because it's both. It's so powerful. <gasps> yeah, that's just what I like about the water symbol. People always say like, "Oh, it's it's about life and vitality," and I'm like. I think it's both. It's It can be about, like, life and vitality, but, you know, water can also take life away. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the duality I'm seeing in these quotes. And, and thank mm-hmm. you for putting words to that for me because, like, the water is how we find out that Megan is dead. Mm-hmm. Like, up until this point, she's just missing. Just missing. We don't know she's dead. Right. And then Tom essentially has tried to kill Rachel in this instance. He's hit her over the head with a wine bottle and knocked her out and she's coming back to life and she's seeing him for who he is and she's standing up for herself and she's confronting him about all of these lies that he's told her and then eventually she's gonna kill him you know like not intentionally it's self-defense of course but you know like i think that's a really good way to put these two quotes into perspective for me. I love that. Me too. Thank you. Yay! Yay! Okay. That's why we do this. That's why we do it. Okay, sparklets. Sparklets. Go for it. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I guess I only have one because I kind of said my other one earlier. Oh, I have two. Okay, cool. Well then, mine is, hmm, life is not a paragraph and death is no parentheses. Which is <laughs> is that your same one? No, I wrote that one down, but I didn't use that one. Uh, okay. Um, which is referencing the E.E. Cummings poem, and I love this sparklet, so it's, we're gonna go deep. Okay, I'm ready. All right, so, because I had to really think about this. Yes. You know, like, I couldn't just be, you couldn't just, like, browse through this, so, life is not a paragraph. Paragraphs are a short piece in something bigger. So, we know that life is not just a paragraph. And when it says, death is no parentheses, like, people are like, okay, what is that, what the fuck does that mean? Well... When you add something in parentheses in a sentence, it's an extra thought. Right. Is death an extra thought? Is it optional to life? No. All living things die. So there's nothing parenthetical about death. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like death is not an extra thought. Death, like Megan's death, is bringing all these characters together in the book. And then life is not just a paragraph. You know, like this is just a small chapter in Rachel's life she's so sad right now but she can go on and keep living yes and she does and she does we learn that she does so that's what my that was my sparklet i like that so i wrote that quote down and then i wrote underneath it because i wanted to explore it a little bit more and think about it more what does this mean (laughs) (laughs) and like i do that with my notes sometimes i'm like think about this ponder on it think about this later yes (laughs) because like you want to stay in the moment you want to stay in the narrative you don't want to take but something like that really you want to think about out of context you know yeah. like what does this you know how does it make me feel kind of Ooh. thing like yeah i'm really glad you used that quote good i'm glad i got to discuss it yeah yay we're so smart we're So smart oh my gosh we went to school <laughs> high school high school <laughs> it counts yeah sure it does um i have two uh they're both from rachel the first one is, I have lost control over everything, even the places in my head. I love that. I loved that quote. Yes. Because I think, and we've talked a lot about this, mental health-wise, anxiety and depression, and you know what we see in Rachel and what we see in Megan uh, throughout the book is that they are losing control over yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. And especially with Rachel, because she can't trust her memories – because she has no memories of certain things because she can't trust what tom is telling her she's even lost control over the things in her mind and that just is it's it's a sobering thought i think it's a sobering thought because you don't want your mind to go right yeah. absolutely that was good well i don't have okay. another sparkle so that you're next okay yay um and this is again from rachel he never understood that it's possible to miss that you i'm sorry i'm going to start over oh. He never understood that it's possible to miss what you've never had to mourn for it, and that's she's talking about yeah, not talking having about a baby. Yeah, not having a baby. Yeah, you can absolutely mourn the fact that you yeah. can mourn for something you you, you can't have. Right, especially something as big as that. Yeah, women as, do it all the time. They as, always mm-hmm. mourn. Yeah, and like when like we've talked about the two values that society give women is looks and the ability to have children Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have looks and she doesn't have the ability to have children and she's, it's something that since day one, you are ingrained to think that you, that's all you're worth. Well, I mean like what are girls given? Like when they're, when they're growing up, like baby Baby dolls. dolls. Yep. Mm hmm. Baby dolls and kitchen sets and things like that. You're, it's your job to be a wife and a mother. And that's ingrained in you from day one. And, and then if you can't fulfill those things. Right. Then now you're mourning not only the aspirations that you had for yourself personally, but also the aspirations that society has put upon you. Deep thoughts. Deep thoughts. Deep thoughts, man. Yeah. This is supposed to be a lighthearted podcast, Krista. <sighs> Sorry. Oh, my God. Not this season. Not this season. <laughs> Not last season. Not last season. <laughs> first season. Not first season. <laughs> Whatever. That's fine. Anyways, those are my two sparklets. That was really good. I love that. Yeah. All right. So, <clears throat> end of this episode. Yep. So, next uh, book we are going to be reviewing is going to be The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. Mm-hmm i'm actually really excited to read this book i've always wanted to read it yeah never read it before um also a movie by the way and it's also a movie with matt damon and and gwen paltrow i have this movie on dvd okay so let me have you seen it i've never seen it no i bought this movie years and years and years ago because there's another movie that i used to fall asleep to that has a preview of this movie okay and so i've seen the preview A thousand times. What movie is it that has a preview I don't remember. It's going to drive me crazy. I feel like I've seen it before. Because you and I used to sleep like fall asleep in each other's beds all the time. Right. Exactly. Not in a weird way. No, but like we would just, you know, come in to chit chat and and doze off. And doze off. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what happens when you live together. (laughs) Um, So I bought the movie because I'd seen the trailer a million times, but I never watched the movie and I don't know why. So I have it. have the DVD. So well, good. I'm gonna have to watch it. Now you have the book too. Now have the book, yeah. So to watch it after I read yeah, the book. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited, and it's not just that. Um, so in the book, a simple favor, um, our main character Emily like likes to read Patricia Heisman's yeah. novels. So I'm kind of excited, to, like tie that into Me it too. a little bit as well, because you know, a simple favor was a very like good like, I don't know who done it, what happened, yeah. Um. And then, so I'm excited to see that whole, like, Patricia Highsmith aspect of, like, Mm -hmm. what's actually going on. And then the book I bought was, like, a three-in-one book, so I also bought, like, the two other books that go after the Talented Mr. Ripley. That's exciting. So, pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're all excited here to continue with our thriller genre. Hopefully we'll get out of this whole, like, motherhood thing we've got going on here. I don't know. Maybe, like... Maybe Ripley's got a mother issues, too. Maybe. We'll find out. How funny is that that, like, this is a thriller and mystery genre-themed season, and it's been all about motherhood motherhood or like how Mm -hmm. like you know crazy moms crazy moms or like moms have like an effect on their children or children have an effect on their mothers (sighs) how crazy is that deep thoughts super crazy maybe maybe we need to dive into our own personal issues that we might have maybe because we did pick this list of books, we did Uh uh-oh not with any intention of it being based on motherhood nope but you know sometimes your subconscious just comes out and rears rears its ugly head i guess so (laughs) okay (laughs) it sure does so, I'm excited to read Patricia Highsmith. I've never read Patricia Highsmith before. Me too. I think this is going to be really yeah. interesting. I'm pumped. So follow us on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook at Book Wasted Podcast. Um, we're also on like a ton of listening platforms. Apple, Spotify, like other ones too. Leave us a review. Um, listen along. You can always reach out to us as well. And um, as always... Stay wasted, my friends.